We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Thursday evening. We are officially under one week away from training camp, as the Chargers will be reporting uh, later on this weekend. Uh, official practice start date for the Chargers is Wednesday. We got teams starting this week, uh, so we are officially uh, through the offseason. We're officially into the preseason stage of things, which is great. Cannot wait for football to be back. This has been uh, an extra long offseason, I feel like, uh, partially because I guess the Chargers didn't really have any like free agency stuff or whatever. But um, you know, excited for it to come to an end. Excited to get down to Costa Mesa and uh, hang out there with my guy Tyler, who's joining me tonight, as always. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Thank goodness it's over. This offseason, this this period of nothing happening feels like it was longer than the last few years. And at least last year, I got to talk about like okay, this week we'll talk about Gerald Everett. And this week we'll talk about Morgan Fox and Sebastian Joseph Day. And th- no, this week, this this year was, I mean, we got Quinton Johnson and, and, and Kellen Moore and, and Thule. So there was some things to talk about, but there's only so many times you can rehash yeah. talking about the slot corner battle that half the internet doesn't seem to believe that even exists um, <laughs> when I try to tell them that it sort of exists. So yeah. I'm happy that we are done with this. That training camp is around the corner. I'm seeing Barbie tonight. It's going to be a great day. 
Yeah, only so many times you can talk about killing more and and stuff like that too. Uh, I we're seeing Barbie tomorrow night, so I've heard it's like actually really funny. So yeah, I you know I wasn't like super excited to see it by any means. I, I'm more excited for Oppenheimer because I love Christopher Nolan. Yeah, um, so we'll see that you know at, at some point later on this weekend or next week. But um, I've heard Barbie's like hilarious and i guess ryan gosling being funny is not like the biggest surprise you know like simu lee's in in the in the movie too so it's got an amazing cast and uh the excitement is is definitely building so you're going tonight are you seeing oppenheimer this weekend no i almost wanted to do the whole barbenheimer thing but next yeah. weekend is my birthday so we're gonna see oppenheimer for my birthday and the other birthday things um but tonight just gonna see barbie with my wife which i still have to get used to saying Yes, it, it takes a little bit. It takes a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah, so we, me and Brooke were like joking, you know, like, oh, like we'll do the Barbenheimer thing too. Um, but it's it's hard to do a double feature when one of them is over three hours long. So <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> right. double features, you know, I, I did that one time in high school and then like one time in, in college. Um, I forget what movies I did them for, but um, you know, that's like eight hours away from your... <laughs> from your life and when you got a dog and things like that it's a, it's exactly a yeah so almost again almost at oppenheimer but three hours after the movie that ends at 9 30 is yeah. uh a bit much yeah 100 but uh definitely excited to see it um you know and this is like the, the last big movie release of the foreseeable future because all of the strikes <laughs> are going right now. so that's yeah. fun um but yeah obviously got a a lot to talk about today uh with the nfl running back situation and then also we're going to react to some of the espn offensive rankings to see where the chargers uh fit in but just a a little bit of housekeeping items so uh today is really kind of our last off-season show um saturday we're going to be going live saturday morning uh and we're going to do our pre-training camp roster prediction show um so definitely stay tuned for that one um you know it's gonna be really interesting to see how we kind of stack up uh, some of these position groups um at the end of the roster and then uh we're recording a a surprise show on sunday that'll get published later on next week um it's a show that we've done in the past i don't want to spoil it but uh it's gonna be a fun one so we're gonna have a fun bonus episode next week leading up to training camp and then uh yeah next week is training camp so it's gonna be great Tyler and I are going to be down at the back together practice on Saturday. So if you want to uh, say what's up to us next weekend, make sure and do that. And then we'll also be there for the practices that are happening on Saturday, August 5th and Sunday, August 6th, which I think is the scrimmage. So um, can't wait to do that. I love training camp. It's like honestly one of my favorite times of the year, just being able to get that kind of experience. I think is super cool. Um, and if you haven't been, I think you should definitely go um, check out the facilities at Costa Mesa. It's the last year at Costa Mesa before they move up to El Segundo. So it uh, should be a good time. Yeah, it's always a fantastic time. It's very, very simple. Once you get used to going through the whole thing, you know where to park. If you haven't been, do it. This is the last time they'll ever practice here. So give it a shot. It's very easy to get in, very easy to get out. Um, there's a lot to do, surprisingly. Now, I'm very hyper-focused. I go walk right in right to the bleachers on like the <laughs> right side because the poles in the way you don't want to go too high so that's what i do but there's a lot of stuff a lot of games a lot of food drinks vendors and stuff like that so yeah have fun if you see us there uh please say hi if you don't that's totally fine i'll never know 
Um, the only thing is, and this is my biggest fear. This sounds like a douchey thing to say, but so many people say hi throughout the years. I forget everybody's name, dude. Like, yeah, I, I feel really bad, but there are so many people who are like, Hey man, I saw you two years ago on the third practice. And I'm like, sick, dude. <laughs> I really like, and, and some people have different names than their actual names and yeah. or whatever, or yeah. that. So unless like, I know Steven and like Arjun and some of the you know, locked on and chargers on these guys. But um, I'm so sorry if I don't know who you are um, just by looking at you with yeah. the interactions. Yeah. One thing I, I, I think we should all do at training camp one year is get uh, those name tags and put like our Twitter handles on the name tag because, you know, we love hanging out with you guys and, and meeting you like Tyler said, but uh sometimes the names are tough like i'll ask people they'll like introduce themselves i'm like okay like what's your twitter handle like do it like do you have your name in your twitter handle and then they'll be like oh no i'm i'm herbert season 2020 or whatever you know so uh it's gonna be a lot of fun i love meeting people at training camp you know it's uh one of the coolest experiences as a fan because it's it's just you and you know there's probably what like 250 300 people there who go each time and so it's it's much more unique fan experience than i think people are are uh used to when it comes to football and like if you stand right in the fence line like you're going to be like 10 yards away from keenan allen doing receiver drills and like you know all that stuff i think is just it's a very unique experience that i think fans should should experience and uh you know take your kids too like i said it's a it's a great way for you to mm -hmm. you know experience some football without having to pay for the uh regular season prices which i know can be can be tough so definitely recommend it to uh go check it out yeah, go check out the running backs before they go on strike. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen during training camp. So uh, nice little segue. Obviously, the, the running back situation has been all the rage this week. Everybody is talking about it. Um, for those who have not been paying attention, um, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard all were franchise tagged. There was a deadline that they had to uh, get to in order to reach long-term deals. And none of the free agent, none of those three running backs, excuse me, uh, reached long-term deals with their respective franchises. Um, obviously, the Austin Eckler situation, Dalvin Cook has been cut, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon have been uh, have taken pay cut or uh, yeah, have taken pay cuts. Um, there's just like zero movement in the running back market, and that led to all of the running backs kind of speaking out all at once. You know, Derrick Henry tweeting out that they should just remove the running backs from the whole sport. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs tweeting out several different things mm -hmm. um, about his experience negotiating with the Raiders, um, saying it was never about the money. It was always about the long-term security mm -hmm. um, and just like how the Raiders were not really moving or budging or willing to negotiate with him. Obviously, Austin Eckler has been very vocal about his situation. Jonathan Taylor tweeted out some things because he's obviously kind of due up for an extension here soon. So Tyler, what what did you make of the way the running backs kind of came together and handled this whole thing the past week? I don't even know where to begin. I guess we do have to sort of begin with Austin Eckler because he was the first guy at the beginning of the offseason during free agency period to kind of take this you know sort of stance, and he got a lot of flack for it. And we're all sort of mostly past that, so. Um, but it was interesting to see the rest of these guys start to, you know, sound off and clearly in unison, like this wasn't something that 
they just all decided to do that yeah. day. I don't think it really. Some of them like... hadn't sent tweets for like a year, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all yeah. this happened, and all of them are like, Phew. yeah, and very much so, like similar to each other, and and for some reason, all about Matt Miller's tweet in particular. Um, <laughs> I, I, like I get what he was saying, but unfortunately, he was the guy that everyone you know decided to quote Pile him and talk about. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll never really know what happens behind the scenes, but I am really curious what these guys were really asking for. Um, someone like Josh Jacobs could have reset the market given what he did last year. Like given what he did last year, former first round pick, been with the team, you know, he, as the next guy in line who had a great season, technically he could have reset the market. But he said it was, like you said, it wasn't about the money. It was about the, the security and that the Raiders just weren't budging. And that was the same thing with Austin Eckler and the Chargers. It was about, for Austin Eckler, granted, different situations sort of. Um, for him, it wasn't really just about like, oh, I want to be the highest paid running back. They just wanted something that was more than the one-year, you know, franchise tag sort of number that was mostly given out for these guys. Um, and it, it's tough for the running back market and running backs in general. I was just going through, you know, NFL contracts, and there are 64 players with total contracts that are higher than the highest-paid, you know, total contract running back. In Alvin Kamara, there's 95 players who have larger total contracts than the next highest-paid running back in Christian McCaffrey. Um, there are 104 players making more this year in 2023 than the highest paid running back this year in McCaffrey. Um, if you want to get to the top five highest paid running backs in the NFL this year, you have to count all the way to the 175th player just to get the top five at the running back position, all the way to 175 for who's wow. getting paid this year. Um, for wide receiver, you just got to get to 27. For quarterback, it's obviously the first five. The running back you know, contracts. I'm, I'm just looking at this year. So who knows about different years, but you know, you have to get to 175 to get a top five at running back. You still only have to get to 107 for safety, which really like, yes, it's an important position. There are some guys who make a lot, but like safety isn't exactly one of those premium spots. And even then almost 70 spots higher, you can get to your top five. Mm -hmm. um, there are 39 players with fully guaranteed 2023 salaries that are on rookie deals. Um, none of them are running backs except for, um, Tony Pollard on the franchise tag, which doesn't really count. Um, there are three running backs in the top. Sorry. There are three running backs in the top 100% guaranteed contract in 2023. Um, that's Madison McKinnon and Singletary. But if you want to get to the top 5%, um, top five running backs of percent guaranteed contract in 2023, you have to get all the way to James Conner at 166. So any way you look at it, like there's clearly what it's guarantees, total contracts, money given this year, it's the running backs are suffering. And I, I feel really bad because you can't take the running backs out of the game altogether, Derrick Henry, obviously. And he doesn't really mean that. Um, but they do so much for these teams. Mm -hmm. And yet, unfortunately, even as we talk about with, with like Kellen Moore and the Chargers right now, yes, of course, you want Austin Eckler out there. They'd be better with Austin Eckler. But the scheme and the offensive line can really do more for your your offense than the running back itself. So it's unfortunate. Like these guys do so much. Um, you know, after the quarterback, they really most likely in many, you know, most cases touch the ball more than anybody else in the offense. Yep. But they're extremely underpaid. Unfortunately, there's really nothing that they could do at this point. And the NFL is clearly taking the stance of okay, you want to strike, you you want to hold out, you wanna you hope for more money, okay, it's not going to work because we'll just find somebody else in the draft or we'll sign somebody else. 
And that's kind of it. I mean, really, like Kyle Shanahan has kind of been doing that. Granted, he spent a lot of draft picks uh, on these guys, but you plug somebody else in, you got a good line, a good scheme, there's a thousand yards. And unfortunately, you know, when Austin Eckler leaves, they'll probably find another running back who can do maybe not as well, of course, but can do enough where you don't have to go pay Eckler, you know, three more years, 30 more million dollars, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, there was a story written by uh, Mike Florio. And in the story, he got a quote from somebody that was like talking about what's the blame of the running <laughs> yeah. backs. And he was like, blame Mike Shanahan in the analytics community. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a little unfair. Right. But like, that's where we're at with football. Like, I think the, you know, you feel terrible for the reality of the situation because these running backs are, you know, mostly playing five, six years of their career. And, and the, the thing that I think is being misconstrued by fans on Twitter is that people think this is just about them trying to get paid more. And like, yeah, obviously like that helps for sure. But if you look at the way the contracts of all the other positions like Tyler has laid out, they're all continuing to grow. I mean, we've seen like the right tackle market has kind of exploded recently. Defensive tackle has become a premium position. Mm -hmm. um, even tight end. I mean, Evan Ingram just got paid, you know, $14 million APY or something or whatever it was. You know, David Unjoku, who had like his career high was like 400 yards previous to last season, gets a massive contract extension. Um, Austin Eckler makes fewer dollars per year then uh, blocking tight ends. Uh, mm -hmm. Josh Oliver for the, I think at the Minnesota Vikings makes $7 million per year. He makes more money than per year than Austin Eckler who touches the ball 400 times and has scored 38 touchdowns over the last couple of seasons. So I think obviously, yes, part of it is, is the money, but I think also the, the bigger issues for the running backs is the lack of growth in compared to other positions around the league. And, you know, we all work, right? Like we all feel like we have value and, and, and contribute to whatever employer we have. And it's like, put yourself in their shoes where, you know, if, you know, Tyler and I are both educators, right? So like Tyler, right. the science teacher makes, you know, X amount of money each year, but Steven, the, the English teacher makes less money, but they do the same kind of work, right? Like mm -hmm. you would feel a certain way too. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's about the lack of growth the the franchise tag value for running backs has actually decreased over the last 10 years and it's the only position that that's the case you know franchise tags for every other position have you know gone up by 40 percent in the last 10 years and running back continues to go down and then also just like contract structures like all of these running backs hit free agency after their prime is up you know because mm -hmm. most of their primes are spent on these rookie contracts you know, Saquon Barkley gets a fifth-year option and then a franchise tag, and and his prime's probably over. You know, people will point to the fact that running backs are so replaceable, and they'll use guys like Isaiah Pacheco and stuff like this. Isaiah Pacheco was a was a six-year senior. He's he's <laughs> never going to hit free agency. He's going to hit his prime next year probably. And I know he's injured, but you know, a guy like him hits his prime in his second season, and by the time his rookie season's up, his career's probably over. You know, and this is definitely about these guys being vocal, but they're working for running backs as a whole, not just themselves, mm -hmm. so that the market can actually continue to grow and be a fair representation of the value of the position. And I think it's certainly been devalued. Like, 
you know, it, it's more clear than ever that offensive line and scheme are more important than the actual player. But this, the player's still important. Like we've, we as Chargers fans have seen over the last three years what happens when Austin Eckler is not on the field. And I, we like Joshua Kelly. Justin Jackson was really good for them, but mm-hmm. it still matters to have a good quality running back. And I think a lot of that, a lot of this has just kind of been, you know, misconstrued to they just want more money when that's really not the case. I'm really curious to see what happens with this position overall moving forward. We'll talk about the top 10 today, but going through it, you know, Chubb, McCaffrey, Jacobs, Barkley, Henry, Taylor, Kamara, Cook, Pollard, and Eckler, and some other guys in honorable mentions. These are all guys, there's not really any rookies in there unless it's their fifth-year option or they've got tagged after their fifth-year option or whatever. I'm really curious what happens with, I mean, it's interesting because we're at this point where it looks like they're going to be, you know, they are devalued. These contracts aren't what they're supposed to be. The position doesn't really have any, like these guys aren't old, but they don't have any like 22, 23-year-olds in there that have several more years in their rookie contract to dominate. Not yet. But then right now, we they just drafted Bijan Robinson. Or the Falcons just brought Bijan Robinson into the league. Um, yeah. The Lions believe in Jameer Gibbs, so we'll <laughs> see how that works too. I mean, the um, Niners traded like eight picks for Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so I'm, I'm just really curious where this position is going to go from here can someone yeah. like Bijan robinson sort of help break that mold because like if again like people call them the, the best running back prospect since you know adrian peterson or whatever you want to call it yeah i'm really curious if he starts to help you know push things in a different direction the pendulum starts to swing the other way because i even feel like defensive tackle granted that's rushing the passer and something that's become like very very important obviously and having a great one is, is helpful but I feel like that influx of talent of just having guy after guy after guy um, who are excellent against, you know, the run, rushing the passer, et cetera, you know, spearheaded maybe by like an Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. I feel like that really helped turn over, you know, how we evaluate them and how we see them, or at least how the contracts view them. So hopefully someone like Bijan can do that for the running backs, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's in four years where he's going to be negotiating that contract. So, you know, I, I think, the Saquon Barkley situation to me was the biggest surprise because he was like the entire offense for the Giants last year. <laughs> like if, if they have an average running back last season, the Giants probably win like four or five games, you know, because the roster was just that bad and and they had like no receivers. So I was shocked that they were that far apart, you know, with, with Saquon and the Giants. Um the Josh Jacobs situation, not all that surprising. This regime comes, the Raiders regime comes from the Patriots who never paid running backs. They weren't there when they drafted him. You know, like immediately when they got hired, they declined his option. So I'm not super surprised by that one. Tony Pollard, a little bit more understandable as well because of the broken leg. But I I was sure that the Giants and Saquon Barkley would come to a deal because they they had no mm-hmm. other choices last year. He was the offense. Similar situation that the Chargers were in with Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, if you're a running back right now, like you're praying that Saquon gets a huge deal next year. Jonathan Taylor gets a bounce back season and, and he gets a big time extension next year. Otherwise, you're just going to be doing the same thing again next year. Like all these guys we're talking about, most of them are free agents next year. You know, Saquon, Derek Henry, yeah. Austin Eckler. Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, all these guys who are franchise tag, like they're going to be doing it all again next year. And, you know, we saw how, 
you know, tough the market was this year for, you know, Jamal Williams and David Montgomery and all these guys. I mean, Jamal Williams making $4 million a year. <laughs> and, you know, he was the second in touchdowns last year. So it's, I understand why we're at this point, but I, I do think the market is, is certainly unfair to the running backs right now, especially the top tier guys, because, you know, we, we can look at other positions and markets are not super friendly to them, but the top tier guys always get paid, mm-hmm. you know, relative yeah. to that, whatever their market is, you know, mm-hmm. the center market, I think is drastically underpaid, but Corey Lindsley still got paid like an elite center, you know, right. that was reflected in his contract, Ryan Jensen, same thing. Whereas you look at the running backs and Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, they can't even get more than the franchise tag, which is just kind of crazy to me. So you know, obviously it's all relative, right? Like they're still making a lot of money, but to me, this is always, this has always been about the long-term security for running backs mm-hmm. and the specific lack of growth of the market. Not so much like they all just want to make more money because, you know, right. Saquon was the number two pick. Like he's made plenty of money. Mm-hmm. That's not the issue. The issue is the lack of growth and the lack of long-term security. Yeah. You've talked about with like, wide receiver or you talk about you know center like core Lindsay was the next highest paid guy you know for the chargers in 2022 that was mike williams they got him paid pretty early and then like seven other guys got paid more than him or something like that or yeah. pretty close to it because that's just what happens so we'll see what happens with running back um i don't know what you even do next year so 2024 who are the free agents next year in 2024 i mean you listed all those guys i just don't know what the nfl would collect because the NFL clearly at this point is, is is showing, I don't I mean like the NFL, I mean the 32 teams, yeah, are are showing that they will not budge at this point. So I, I'm very curious, you know, do you start with the highest paid guy, then tier down? Because typically, like like, like like Herbert's contract is going to be more than Hertz, and Burrow's contract is going to be more than Herbert's. Yeah. But that's not how it's going to happen next year for the running backs. And you pray for all these guys to have good health. If Derrick Henry plays half a season. What are they paying him next year? You know, if Eckler has a pretty significant injury, who's going to pay him anything uh, based on the way the market's going? So I I am very fascinated to see how this all goes with so many big names hitting free agency next year. Yeah, and that's the other thing we, you know, the running back market was set by, I think McCaffrey is the top one uh, after the, uh, in the offseason of 2019. And it hasn't been touched since. Like, Camara came close, but Nick Chubb, who I think, you know, he was voted the best running back, I think, in this in this ESPN poll. Mm-hmm. He was He's not even close to McCaffrey. He's like $5 million less than McCaffrey on a per-year average. So, it's just, it's kind of crazy to me. And, you know, Austin Eckler is getting a lot of hate right now on social media for his comments. And I, and I do, like, disagree with the whole, like, ownerships are against running backs. Like, I think this is just, like, the trends of football. I don't think there's like a conspiracy to not pay running backs, but um, you know, he is very involved with the NFLPA, And this is something that he's obviously been passionate about and getting running backs and, and this position to top market. But this is his role as an NFLPA person too. Like this is not just him like whining about his pay. Like he, this is him feeling passionate about a cause and going out and taking advantage of his platform. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, have any hard feelings against Austin Eckler. I never have, 
because I know that he also is going to come to work for the Chargers next week and give everything he possibly can to this team. And he's always done that. And that's just who he is, you know? And so I would just take a step back from the hate for Austin Eckler right now. Like he is taking a cause under his wing. He's passionate about it, but let's not act like he's a bad at football and B also not going to give hundred percent to this team. Once training camp hits next week, like he is going to yeah. come out and be the same Austin Eckler that we have always known, be one of the hardest workers on the team that we have always seen because that's who he is. So, you know, I, I respect Austin Eckler for taking this on, and I also respect him more because I know what he's going to bring to this football team because that's who he is. This is it's not in his character to, you know, hurt the team when he's mm-hmm. going up going up against this kind of, you know, social issue, if you will. Yeah, I I, I hate to sound shut up and play football, and that's not what I'm trying to say here, but for I guess the fan perception of him, I, I would hope that once training camp hits maybe he doesn't stir the pot so much. Um, I guess we'll see what the running backs, the rest of the running backs do. If this is something that they might try to coordinate or anything, but um, I don't know. I I just feel like once it's time and there's really nothing just, just, I don't know. I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm saying shut up and play football here. And that's not what I mean. I get what you're saying that training camp is training camp and that that's what the focus is. I get it. Yeah, basically. And I, I think but, just for his own person, like his own perception in the eyes of the fans, um, fight the battles, do what you got to do. Um, I don't know, just watch out. Because I, I feel bad seeing him, you know, in the offseason, in, in, in free agency, kind of stand up for himself, do the the hold out, hold in, whatever you want to call it, um, and then get attacked so much, then kind of bring this back up and all the fans start attacking him again. So hopefully it's kind of like a, hopefully just, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the words I'm trying to say are. Well, I mean, he's going to be asked about it every time he speaks to the media. So. Uh, yeah. Um. He was. He had a camp down in Carlsbad yesterday. There was a pretty large turnout. So, uh, you know, I, I think people will be positive at camp about him. But you know, it is what it is. But like Alex is pointing out here, uh, three centers have broken Corey Lindsay's contract number since that since 2021. Uh, nobody has stopped Christian McCaffrey's in three off seasons. So it's just kind of crazy. So like I said, if you're a running back, you're praying that Jonathan Taylor gets a huge deal because mm. you just need some positive momentum and you need somebody else to carry that torch, but um, we'll see what happens. So um, Tyler, any, any other thoughts on the running back situation and uh, maybe how Austin Eckler fits in? Uh, no, honestly, I think at this point, there's nothing that's going to be resolved this year or even in the next few years, but certainly not this year. So unless there's more news to be talked about, I think it's, this is kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we dive into the ESPN rankings, have to bring up our good friends from Caldera lab, uh, the best in the business when it comes to men's skincare. So if you are trying to look your best at training camp in the next couple of weeks, Make sure and uh, check them out. You can use the code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your order. Um, All purchases that you guys make do really help out the show as well. So even if you don't use it and you just want to help support the show, that's a great way to do so. Um, Again, that's calderalab.com. You can use the code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your order. Um, Best skincare in the business for men. 
which is uh, certainly a growing market. So uh, if you have some friends, you can refer them to the code guilty as well. And like I said, that does really help us continue to grow the show. And we really appreciate any support you can give us in that regard. Yeah, sometimes we get comments, you know, what can I do to help the show? What can I do to help you guys? What specific platform should I support? Patreon, YouTube members, whatever. Um, but sponsors are definitely a, a big way for us to continue to do what we do um, to pay for people to fly out to games, to see games, to drive mm-hmm. to this, get parking passes, et cetera. So um, not saying you have to go spend all your life savings on it, but <laughs> um, if you'd like to get something for yourself, you'll also be helping us out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, 100%. All right, Tyler, uh, let's get to these ESPN NFL rankings. We'll be a bit quicker today. Uh, last episode, we spent basically the whole hour on them. Today, we don't have that kind of time because uh, we're already at a half hour, but um, going to be a fun one. I think interesting rankings for where the Chargers ended up. Um, do you have quarterback on here first? I do. Okay, so quarterbacks for our audio audience uh, who, who are not watching this, obviously Patrick Mahomes ends up first. Um, last year was second. His lowest ranking this year was second. Uh, Joe Burrow finished second in this year after being fifth last year. His lowest ranking was sixth. Josh Allen third. Uh, his highest ranking was first. So Mahomes, Burrow, and Josh Allen each got first place votes. Um, Josh Allen was third last year, third this year. Aaron Rodgers, who was first last year, it checks in at number four. His lowest ranking was number eight. And then Justin Herbert, our guy, checks in at number five. His highest ranking was second. Uh, lowest ranking was ninth. And last year, he was seventh. So he's up two spots from last year. Uh, number six was Jalen Hurts. His highest ranking was third. Lowest ranking was tenth. Last year, he was not ranked in this exercise. Uh, Lamar Jackson checks in at seventh. His highest ranking was fourth. Lowest ranking was unranked. Last year, he was an honorable mention. And then Trevor Lawrence jumps all the way up from unranked after his rookie season to uh, number eight overall. His highest ranking was fourth. His lowest was unranked. Dak Prescott at number nine. Highest ranking for him was ninth. Lowest was unranked. Last year, he was 10th. 
And then rounding out the list in terms of the top 10 is Matthew Stafford. Highest ranking five, lowest ranking was unranked, and last year he was sixth. So, uh, Tyler, outside of Justin Herbert, what are your what's your takeaway from this top ten? The one, two, three isn't a surprise. If it were Allen and Burrow, fine, I, that would have been understandable. Um, but Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, that makes sense. Uh, I will say when Herbert, where Herbert was listed, is kind of like the most boring thing that could have happened. There's nothing. He wasn't very high, and he wasn't very low. Like this actually feels kind of right considering. Yeah, he had a pretty solid season, but wasn't like a great one. Uh, the big wild card was going to be Aaron Rodgers um, because I could have seen him, I mean, third. I mean, someone voted him second, and I could have seen him at ninth. It depends on, you know, where do you view him, where he was, where he was specifically last year, then where he's going to be now with the Jets. So um, him at four, I guess not a surprise. Um, and again, he was, he was back-to-back MVP a couple of years ago, so not too far removed, but we'll see. The one that I, I wasn't also sure about was Jalen Hurts because it felt mm-hmm. like I think even in the MVP odds and then a couple other rankings we had seen, Hurts was ahead of Herbert, basically coming down to the he went to the Super Bowl sort of thing. The Eagles were a yeah. better team last year. So I figured maybe that would be there, but Herbert here is totally fine. Um, and the last thing I'll add is that Patrick Mahomes being voted uh, even second, which is still really good. Yeah. The fact that there are multiple people who put Patrick Mahomes second is uh, a surprise. I don't. I he's just clearly a tier better than everybody else right now. You can blame Andy Reid. You can blame Travis Kelsey as well. Like, oh, it's all because of them. Whatever, man. Like, he's clearly the best quarterback in the league right now. But I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe the a Bengals and a Bills um, somebody voted for Mahomes <laughs> too or something. I, I want to say it was like an NFC scout who still was like, yeah, I'm not too sure about his pocket presence or some <laughs> bullshit. But yeah, I um, these rankings are always hilarious to me about like the lowest ranking versus highest ranking. And, you know, Mahomes having two is is bad. But like they, somebody did not even put Lamar Jackson in honorable, honorable mention. And uh, Dak Prescott is honorable mention. You know, it's like, okay, like <laughs> if you think there are 15 quarterbacks better than Lamar Jackson. I don't really know what you're doing here. Um, so it, it's just as funny to me. I was a little surprised that Hertz and Lawrence didn't get more like, well, we want to see another mm-hmm. year of it kind of treatment because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that is how I feel personally. But I feel like that's, that was the case for after Herbert's rookie season. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, it was great, but we want to see him do it for like another year. And and so I was a little surprised there. Um Aaron Rodgers is definitely the most difficult quarterback to place right now. Last year was pretty bad. It was pretty, pretty bad in comparison for his usual standards. Um, And you just don't know what kind of version you're going to get this year. So he was tough for me. I wouldn't have him number four personally, but uh, I understand why NFL executives kind of rely upon what he's done in the past. Um, In terms of Herbert, I I feel like this is a fair ranking for him. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not a quarterback wins guy per se, but I think we've gotten to the point where playoff track record does matter when you're talking about him being in a, a challenger for the you know leader of the second tier versus Burrow and Allen kind of thing. I do think the the way that we've seen Burrow and Allen perform in the playoffs does give them a, a bit of a different edge. And that's not all of Herbert's fault, right? He was injured. We've talked about that a lot. Um, he just needs more opportunities. I think that's it. But, you know, definitely is a top five for me. I think like worst case scenario for Herbert should be six, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, but five feels fair. I think once he gets more playoff opportunities, I think he'll he'll shoot up this list. Um, we've talked about it on this show before. We think he's going to put up huge numbers this year. Um, getting back healthy, I think, is massive for him. But five feels fair after last season, and I was surprised it wasn't a little lower after mm. the injuries and and the low A dot and how much publicity his poor play got last year, even though he was injured. Yeah, I mean, even the highest ranking of second is a surprise. Do mm-hmm. I think that Herbert could be the best, second best quarterback behind Mahomes? Sure. Like I could, we could all easily make an argument for that. But I'm surprised that someone would actually looked at last season and voted him there. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, it feels fair. I was honestly surprised it maybe wasn't a tiny bit lower, like you were, because he didn't, like he wasn't healthy. So I think that other people would yeah. vote differently. I do think that Herbert and, and the Chargers, for everyone's sake, but for just rankings which don't matter but for for herbert's you know legacy i guess in the short term they do have to start winning some games because if the jaguars take a step forward and trevor lawrence takes a step forward it seems like they will he'll jump herbert if hertz goes to the postseason again has a couple of wins he's going to jump herbert if herbert doesn't win like lamar the ravens should be the best offense they've been in a while so you could potentially see where herbert starts falling to eight nine or so Um, and that's not even relative to his you know what he can do on the field again one of the most talented guys here but if everyone else is a little better in epa per play and they have the wins and the stats are similar enough like herbert's gonna start tumbling down this list so um it really goes either direction but i do think it's positive heading into next year yeah i agree i think you know these the narrative is is starting to form right like we're already having people really go to bat about Herbert versus Hertz, Herbert versus Tua, that kind of conversation, Herbert versus Lawrence. You know, if the Jaguars win a couple of playoff games, you know, Lawrence has that, you know, number one draft pick cachet to him. He has that like best quarterback prospect since like Andrew Luck and John Elway that people believed. So, you know, if the Jaguars make a playoff push like he's and the Chargers don't, then he's going to be ahead of him too. So, yeah, it, it, I don't think like, legacy is way too early but like perception of herbert is kind of teetering where if the chargers don't win some playoff games then then he could kind of go down this list a little bit more even though we all know that justin herbert is a stud and he deserves to be higher on this list but it is yeah it'd almost be like an association thing too with the chargers franchise like oh it's dan fouts oh it's philip rivers oh here's now justin herbert like yeah again herbert will put up better numbers than either of those guys but it's just kind of this chargers thing of yeah, you're probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You just haven't gotten it done. And that's not always fair to the quarterback. Again, neither of us are very much quarterback win sort of guys. I hate the notion that someone could throw 45 touchdowns in one game, and if they lose, they're a loser, um, <laughs> which is, again, is basically the argument. If they lose, no matter what yeah. they did, they're a loser. So we'll see. I, I The good news is, if you look at the honorable mentions and the other guys who received votes, I don't see any danger in Herbert falling past like nine, even with a kind of, if he's yeah. next year, I, I yeah. just don't really see him. We can jump to those guys like Kirk Cousins, yeah. Jerry Goff, Derek Carr, Tua, Kyler, Daniel Jones, Fields, Geno Smith. I just don't really see those guys jumping up into the top seven or eight. This, you know, maybe like maybe Deshaun. But I don't know how the people the, the league would vote for him. Yeah, Deshaun's really the only one because, I mean, Jared Goff would have to have, like, an amazing season and the Lions would have to go on, like, a great playoff push to really mm-hmm. make that list. Maybe Tua, but I think there's always going to be kind of that doubt about 
like from a league wide perspective, like how much of his success is driven by having the two fastest receivers in the league and having a guy like Mike McDaniel <laughs> kind of scheme up plays for him. Yeah. Um, Kyler's not going to be healthy, you know, maybe fields, but he's got a long way to go as a passer. Um, I, I saw this teaser that he's going to be in the top yeah. 100. Did not expect which I think that. is, I think it's kind of crazy. Like I like Justin Fields. He was my, he was my, one of my favorite quarterback studies in that class. Granted it was him and Trevor Lawrence, but uh, he was one of the worst passers in the league last year. If you look at most statistics. So like uh, mm-hmm. guy needs some work. He's a great runner, but like needs some work. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, moving right along here. We'll go to the running backs quickly. Um, very running back heavy. So I don't know how much we'll talk about this, but uh, Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Tony Pollard, and then Austin Eckler uh, rounds out the top 10. So last year, Austin Eckler was honorable mention in this poll. This year, he gets up to number 10. Uh, Tyler, what do you make of where he is placed on this list? Um, What I have him behind Kamara, Cook, Pollard, I don't really know, I, I but... I'm glad he at least made the list this time, um, despite the fact that he was crushing it last year, didn't make the list, unranked, honorable mention, whatever. Um, so, yeah, a couple spots higher, maybe. No, probably not past, like, a Jonathan Taylor, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Kamara, yeah. basically, they generally have, like, Eckler and Kamara kind of have the same seasons. I don't think Kamara's hit, like, 900 yards in three years. I don't think he's ever hit 1,000 rushing yards. They kind of have that sort of dual threat this to them um and then dalvin cook I, I almost feel like there's some bias there to him just being like oh yeah the running back that i should vote on the list because to be completely <laughs> honest like if you look at the rushing yards that were expected and everything else uh it's very negative like one of the worst yeah. in achieving more than his offensive line is blocking for him so um I, that this is probably it for eckler i mean i don't know if he'll do anything more this year that would warrant him moving up i guess it would just take some other guys falling off like cook's not signed with the team so at this point like i guess he would jump him um we'll see with pollard but yeah yeah. well this is this is a list that i think changes drastically next year because we'll have Mm -hmm. more tape of damian pierce kenneth walker b john robinson like the the young running backs in the league are are very very good right now um i would have him ahead of tony pollard and alvin cook I, i think tony pollard you can make an argument that for like 23 and beyond, he's better than Austin Eckler. Um, uh-huh. But Austin Eckler, when I mean, we're talking about, you know, 38 total touchdowns, we're talking about, you know, over 1,500 yards from scrimmage over both of the last two seasons. Like Tony Pollard hasn't really done that. And Dallin Cook, like you mentioned, I think is is drastically overrated. So I wouldn't put him ahead of Kamara and Jonathan Taylor, even with the injuries. I just think those two guys are, are different mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of backs. All due respect to Austin Eckler, I think is – is right there at number eight. So um, I, I think this is the last year we see him on this list, unfortunately, because I do think that there's a lot of backs coming up here in the next couple of years who will jump in. Um, Aaron Jones not on this list was a pretty big surprise to me. Yeah. Um, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, more guys, Ramondre Stevenson, um, Javante Williams, who's not, who is not healthy, but had a great rookie season. <laughs> Najee Harris, who according to some is a better player than Rashad Slater. <laughs> Um, Miles Sanders and AJ Dillon. So, you know, you look at this list and you think like, oh man, running back, it's in a really good state. And then you look at the contract. So it's just kind of funny to like, look at how talented the position is right now and then not see it reflected financially. 
Yeah, Brees Hall. Yes, Pierce. We think we all will do really well. Brees Hall is the one I'm really curious about next year because he didn't play like a like half the season, uh, but he still got honorable mention, which is pretty impressive because he was great to start the year. So I'm curious where he ends up next season. Um, Stevenson for the Patriots probably have another really good year. I just Mm -hmm. don't know if like they'll ever get their respect as a New England running back rotation Belichick sort of thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, some good players here though. ETN top five next year, Alex. Goodness gracious. That's a bit much for me. They're apparently very high on the kid from Auburn who they drafted, uh, Tink Bigsby. So mm. we'll see there. Um, everybody knows how much I love Damian Pierce. I think he's that guy who makes it from this group. And then obviously, B. John, I think, is going to be definitely on the top 10 next year. Yeah. All right, uh, tight ends, a little interesting here. Uh, Travis Kelsey, this is the first year that he was actually number one on this list, which I think is a little crazy to me. <laughs> um, George Kittle, number two. Uh, Mark Andrews, number three. Uh, his lowest ranking was outside of the top 10. So I, I don't know who voted for that, but uh, <laughs> let us know so we can uh, know not to take your opinion seriously. Dallas Goddard at number four. Darren Waller at number five, TJ Hawkinson at number six. His lowest ranking was unranked, um, which again, like, what are you watching the, from last year? Um, Kyle Pitts, he checks in at number seven. Both worlds here, his highest ranking was second, and his lowest was unranked, which both of those are crazy. Um, Evan Ingram, <laughs> Pat Fryermuth, and then Dawson Knox. So, you know, we talked a little bit about safety being a weak position. I think tight end is, is certainly the weak position among the offensive playmakers here. Um, cause this group is, it, it's, it falls pretty heavily off of, of, off of a cliff after the elite guys. And I think, you know, you have a solid like second tier there of like Waller and Hawkinson. I think Pitts yeah. can get there, but Evan Ingram at number eight at his position and Fryermuth and Knox is, is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, when I was starting to put this list together, I'm like, okay, yeah, Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, cool, no problem. <laughs> and then it's like, Okay, like some of these guys, no, I mean, all respect to them. They're, they're not bad players. These are good players. It's just clearly not like, you know, some of the other, like defensive tackle, there was a starter who had like 50 pressures in like received votes. Whereas this group, like Dawson Knox, no offense. But, I mean, it's just, it's just not quite the same quality. Good player, but not quite like, the, I mean, this is the top, this is the top 10. Um, and then Kyle Pitts, highest ranking at two is, insane to me that was definitely a falcon staff member trying to justify that selection <laughs> i'll tell you that right now <laughs> yeah i think Alpitz can jump up there with better play but um tyler do you know how much uh money dawson knox makes on a per year basis um more than the running backs <laughs> um no how yeah. much uh, because 13 million dollars yeah my kids are playing tight end 13 million yep yeah, I'm gonna have my little quarter Mexican, quarter Asian, half white kids playing tight end. <laughs> the next great tight end. That's crazy to me, man. His his career high in receiving yards is 587. <laughs> That's crazy, man. And then they drafted Kincaid. And, and they, they just drafted Kincaid. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, like, I don't know what to do with him. Yeah. So that's that's crazy. Um, honorable mentions here, Dalton Schultz, David Njoku, Noah Fant, Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry, Cole Komet, um, Gerald Everett in the receiving votes. I was a little surprised he didn't at least get honorable mention. Me too. Um, I mean, Cole Komet, I think his career high in receiving yards is like 350. 
So uh, I'm surprised that Everett coming off of his season was not at least honorable mention, but at least he got some votes, I guess. Well, let me I'd like to put some respect on Cole Komet's name. Hold on. <laughs> okay, 612. 612 receiving okay, yards. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed like four or 500 max. But still, like, yeah, looking at this list – these guys and what did Higby have last year? Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just underrating these guys, but yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, I would wow, Tyler Higby had 620 yards last year. He was like the only receiver for them at one point once Cooper Cup went down. That's true, that's true. <laughs> but like, um, Noah Fant, like, I mean, we mentioned Noah Fant as like a trade candidate, but like, so they have him as the 13th best side in the league. It's just kind of kind of crazy. Solid yeah. players, solid players. It's just the drastic change of like going from like, we're going to get to receiver here in a second to tight end. It's just kind of <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get to the receiver, which is completely, Oh, that's his offensive tackle. Just kidding. Okay. Receivers last. <laughs> Receivers are last. All right. So offensive tackles, um, very interesting list here. We got Trent Williams, Laramie Tunsil, Tristan Wirfs, Lane Johnson. I think that's pretty like, I feel safe to say yeah. that that's like the top four. I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think right tackle getting a little punished here. Um, where this mm-hmm. kind of comes off the rails for me is after that, Jordan Mailata at number five, and his highest ranking was number one. Um, Panay Sewell, highest ranking number two at number six, Andrew Thomas, seven, and then our guy Rashawn Slater at number eight, which is good. Good job, NFL. You yeah, better than uh, putting him uh, behind Najee Harris on a ranking from 2021 <laughs> draft class uh christian dare saw who you tweeted about the other day uh highest ranking for him was third overall and then wow. Colton miller at 10 here so again top four good job you got the right players i disagree with the order but after that man it kind of goes crazy on this list here yeah the good news is there's an influx of young talent here especially with yes. the more recent classes like again the chargers had any opportunity to draft anybody in that class and they could have been fine but if they just picked a tackle between Sewell, Darasaw, and, and Slater, it looks like they would have been all right. Um, so good to see that some young talent is jumping up in there. Um, Lane Johnson and Laramie Tunsil getting an unranked uh, yeah. vote is great. I can't wait to get to interior offensive line where I feel like it's even worse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Rashawn Slater being here at eight, I think is actually really fair. I wasn't sure. I, I couldn't see him falling out of the top ten. But I thought maybe like I mean like, like we saw Cord Lindsay not just fall out of the top ten for being injured last time. So yeah, Rashawn Slater being here is, is solid. Yeah, you mentioned the the young players. The the league desperately needed a balancing of powers uh, in the trenches on the edges, and you know there's some really really great young talent here. I mean Tristan Wirfs, Panay Sewell, Thomas Slater, Darisaw, all yeah. on you know rookie contracts right now. Um, we'll see who else can come in, can maybe, you know, take a leap forward here too. Jordan Mailata is not that much older than those guys either. Um, so just kind of a necessary injection of young talent at the position, but Rashawn Slater being an eight again, I disagree with, but I'm glad that he did not get punished further, mm-hmm. um, because of his injury. So, you know, I think he's better than everybody on this list after number four, but you know he's. I understand yeah. like the injury. You gotta take into consideration that Andrew Thomas, Christian Darrisaw took some very big leaps forward in their respective development, and that mm-hmm. deserves some respect and praise. So I, I understand that. 
Um, but yeah, I think Rashawn Slater climbs up several spots uh, after this upcoming season. Yeah, I think he ends up at two. Ooh. Yeah, there was a, a great quote from uh, Brendan Nugent in the Eric Smith series, which has been a fantastic series. If you're missing that, go check that out on chargers.com um, about Rashawn Slater. And they felt like he was pretty drastically improved after his rookie season. Um, similar thoughts that uh, Duke Manningweather posted about mm-hmm. leading up to last season that Rashawn was, was going to take a, a very big leap. And I think we saw that in the Chiefs game, which in my opinion is the best game I've seen of any Chargers offensive lineman in my lifetime as a fan. Um, I think Rashawn's going to come back and just be dominant. Like last year we saw Werfs and Lane Johnson give up like basically one pressure every three games. Like I, Slater's going to be that for the Chargers this year. I, I think he's going to be awesome this year. Yeah. And then what he can do in the run game as well. I, th- I think that that primetime game against the Cowboys is going to be like the game. Yeah. kind of decides some of the perception of where he is because it yeah. comes out of that game clean. It's him shutting down, let's say, Micah Parsons, who's the guy that was number one in that poll or whatever it was, that ranking uh, for 2021 draft class. Kind of like his game against Chase Young. You know, you, you check that box. You remind the world of who you are. Yeah, yeah I think I think he's going to fly up this list. Yeah, and they get the Raiders before that game. Um, he probably won't go much go up much against max crosby because max kind of sticks against the right side but you know you shut down chandler jones you shut down micah parsons like people are gonna learn really quickly that rashawn slater is back and uh it's such a huge advantage to have that kind of player at left tackle where you can start sending help in other directions um which the chargers were not able to do last year so um very very excited about rashawn slater let's get to the honorable mentions and receiving votes here uh, Ryan Ramchek, Teron Armstead, both having injury-riddled seasons. David Bakhtiari as well. Tyron Smith as well. So some respect to guys who have done it in the past there. Um, Brian O'Neill, another younger offensive tackle who's who's kind of been on the rise recently. And then receiving votes, Jawan Taylor, formerly of the Jaguars, currently of the Chiefs. Orlando Brown Jr., formerly of the Chiefs, currently of the Bengals. Jake Matthews, Dion Dawkins, uh, Taylor Decker and then Taylor Moten here uh, for receiving votes. Uh, what do you make of this group, Tyler? Uh, not to be this guy, but kind of an older changing of the guard. Like for all the new guys that jumped into the list, it feels like some of these guys by injury, by age, I'm um, starting to kind of fall out of this list. Although Teron Armstead, Teron Armstead, when he was playing, was fantastic. And Duke Manyweather's pointed out like there's not a whole lot of guys that are better than him, but he wasn't out there. Um, I really hope that we can start to see some of last year's class jump into this group. Um, I mean, everyone had like this big three, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, Iki Iquanu in some order. And they're not even like in receiving votes, honorable mention. Does that mean that they're bad? No, but it's just like, you know, Rashawn Slater made it his rookie season. Um, You know, Darisaw and Sewell have now made it in this second season. So hopefully those guys start jumping into it uh, pretty soon. Yeah, and Abe Lucas might have been the the best one of that group. Yeah. So um, we'll see. I, I think we'll see some pretty big leaps. Like, you know, Iki Iquanu and Evan Neal were both top 10 picks. Charles Cross was number nine, too. So that was a, a, a unique group in the sense of three tackles going in the top 10. We hadn't, hadn't really seen that in a long time. So I think mm-hmm. we will. Um, what do you make of Trey Pipkin's chances to get on this list next year? 
I don't I don't know because <laughs> is he a like to be completely honest, it feels like the NFL just kind of doesn't know who he is. Um, <laughs> if you look at even like Pro Football Focus, they had 32 tackles on a list. Yeah. And they didn't yeah. include Trey Pipkins. Like it just feels like granted a, a year of being healthy would do a lot for him, maybe making this team or making this list. But I, I feel like with this team, you look at it, okay, you have Rashawn Slater is probably the, the marquee guy on the offensive line that everyone pays attention to. Then it's Corey Lindsley. Then it's probably Zion because he's a former first round pick. And yeah. then maybe you get to Trey Pipkins. Um, I just don't know how much attention he would get to even get on this list. In my eyes, sure, I think he could be considered. So it's 10 plus five plus these six or whatever. So yeah, like he could definitely make receiving votes at minimum if he's healthy for the entire year. I just don't know if the league even knows really who he is. <laughs> yeah, there's still that uh, third round pick, former like draft bust perception about him like there were so many articles even after the chargers signed him to the extension like oh the chargers should draft a right tackle it's like yeah geez they're they're good they're set they paid a guy they're good um i think he can get into the receiving votes category like you said Mm -hmm. gotta stay healthy all year but um just the way that the left tackle right tackle thing is kind of viewed i think it'll be pretty tough for him to get into the top 10 Mm -hmm. certainly Mm -hmm. you know that that is kind of a threshold that I think is unrealistic, but I think you can get into the receiving votes if he has the year that I think he is capable of and stays healthy. Yeah, 100%. All right, into your offensive line. Gross. Uh, Mr. Zach Martin, who to me is like Mahomes of into your offensive lineman, like he's in his own tier, um, also deserving of a new contract. Uh, Joe Tooney, Quentin Nelson, Elton Jenkins, Joel Batonio, Jason Kelsey, Chris Lindstrom, Creed Humphrey, Brandon Scherf and Frank Ragnow make up the top 10 here. Uh, any surprises here, Tyler, before we get into Corey Lindsley's uh, placement? Really just, well, Quentin Nelson, I think, yeah. who was struggling against Chris Hinton, Brandon Fajoko. Yeah. And granted, guys have bad games, but it just felt like throughout the year that Nelson was really not the guy that he was. So him to get, I mean, someone to consider him first um, is pretty surprising. And really just the the contrast between I mean, look at highest ranking and lowest ranking. This felt, I'm pretty sure, easily the biggest difference between where someone would rank him, you know, high versus low. Everyone's first or not even on the list. First or not yeah. even on the list. Um, it's such a surprise. So I, I don't know if it's just kind of because it's tough to place. You know, is a guard better than a center? Is a center better than a guard? If the center is better than the guard, does he deserve to be higher? I don't know. Um, but to me, I, I, I don't know if it's a surprise that Corey Lindsley didn't make the list, but it is unfortunate and i certainly disagree with it yeah um out of, out of curiosity tyler do you know where quentin nelson finished in pass blocking efficiency rating uh in last season among players among guards with 50 percent snaps i should say too uh how many players are there uh 50 uh 47th he was thirtieth, but uh, okay. <laughs> he was he was one spot ahead of Matt Filer. <laughs> one spot ahead of Matt Filer, who got cut by his team because he was yeah, that bad. yeah. It's such a surprise. I don't know what it's like for guards in the league because I know they have a very difficult time transitioning to the league. But Nelson was like the guy, you know. Yeah. And I was so bummed that the Colts got him, but I don't know what happened last year. Combination of injuries, I guess, yeah. scheme. I'm sure there's there's certainly some injury stuff, but 
he got his huge contract extension before the season started. And then that's the season that he put out on tapes. So, you know, I'm sure there's certainly some injury stuff, but I think he could rebound for sure. He's a, he's a supremely talented player. Like, you know, watching him against the chargers in 2019, that, that first game was yeah. incredible. Like one of mm-hmm. the best offensive line performances I've ever seen, but him at third, that's crazy to me, him ahead of, you know, Joe Botonio, Jason Kelsey, Creed Humphrey, like that's that's just kind of crazy to me. I, and I think the other thing that I have an issue here is is really like how devalued they have center here. And I understand why you wouldn't want to like make it its own thing. But Jason Kelsey at six and his lowest is unranked. Like, I'm sorry. If you think there are 15, Bizarre. if you think there are 15 better into your offensive linemen than Jason Kelsey. I don't know what sport you're watching. So um, I take an issue with how devalued center is on this list overall. Um, Corey Lindsley being where he is, and we can get to the next slide here in the honorable mention category. Um, The thing that was written is that he was injured last year and he didn't play as many snaps as he usually does. Mm -hmm. Um, He's ranked behind Eric McCoy in the center category here. And Eric McCoy has not played more than 450 snaps in four years. Mm. And Corey Lindsley was a full point higher than Eric McCoy in pass blocking efficiency rating. So again, I think offensive line play has come in terms of evaluation has come a very long way, but we still have a long way to go in that regard. And the whole way that injuries are weighted, it was really frustrating me to me to watch and read mm-hmm. throughout this whole series because it'd be mentioned for like one guy, and then, like, Eric McCoy misses five games, like, every <laughs> single year, and it doesn't even get mentioned at all. So, um, again, my frustration for this list is the way that center is respected and not respected. Mm. And then Corey Lindsley being behind Eric McCoy and Frank Ragnow, to me, is is a bit much. Yeah, well, he deserves it for allowing nine pressures in two seasons, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's I like, guess a, it's like literally a pressure every four games. It's, like, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. And he was dealing with injuries and food poisoning. I don't know if it's just because he's a more high profile center and the games that he missed were slightly more high profile, like getting hurt against the Chiefs on prime time, missing yeah. the Broncos game on prime. I don't know if that had anything to do with it and then pointing that out more. But yeah, I, I just he continues to be in this interesting spot of clearly being one of the best at his position, arguably top three player on the Chargers as is. Um, and yet underrated when people are, are thinking of him, but he's not like a no-name guy who isn't paid well. So yeah. I was always surprised to see where Lindsley is. Like, I always feel like he should be higher, but he never really quite kicks in. Yeah, I think last year he was tenth, like right at ten. And his 2021 yeah. season, I, I mean, I watched every snap that he took in 2020 when the Chargers signed him, and he was an All-Pro that year. And I think his 2021 season was better, mm. going to a new team, adjusting to new scheme, and everything like that. So. You know, I like they would never would, but center really should be its own category here. And, you know, I just think it's it's one of the more underpaid positions in the league, too. Um, All right. We'll get to the receivers here. This is the last one of the offensive show. So thanks, everybody, for sticking around today. Um, Top 10 goes as follows. Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin and cd lamb rounding out the top 10 everybody from cup to lamb has their lowest ranking being unranked so again kind of a 
interesting thing. You know, AJ Brown has a second place ranking. Cooper Cup still has a first place ranking. Um, Tyler, what do you make of this top ten? Uh, that Jefferson, Adams, Chase, Hill, these guys having a lowest ranking of seventh, ninth, sixth, and ninth <laughs> is fucking ridiculous to me. <laughs> Um, I don't see how, I mean, even just, even just like, okay, maybe you say Chase was hurt a couple of games and he'll benefit from a scheme or something. I don't know. Justin Jefferson, you can, there's no way you can think of six guys that have been better, were better last year than him last year. There's no way, but somebody found a way. So it was probably the Eagles voting six times. Um, for not taking him. <laughs> Otherwise, like this, this is a pretty good list and the honorable mentions are pretty good. And we'll see where the Chargers guys are in just a bit. Yeah, I think this this top eight feels right to me. I would disagree with the order. Um, like Alex says, I think Jamar Chase is mm-hmm. too high. Um, my hot take there is that I don't think he's that much of a better player than T. Higgins. I think T. T. Higgins is is an awesome receiver that should be mm-hmm. much higher on this list. Um, so Chase at three is really like my only disagreement here. Um, I, I'm glad Terry McLaurin is getting some flowers because I think that he's very underrated. Um, I had CD lamb in my top 10 last year, and that was like a thing that I got hate for. Uh, I love CD <laughs> lamb. So yeah, um, that was cool to see, but, um, yeah, I, I think top eight, like, I think this is the universal top eight, eight relatively speaking. And, and I would yeah. disagree with Jamar chase a little bit, but I think this is a rare case that the executives got right. Yeah, mix and match a couple of spots. Otherwise, other than the stupid low rankings for some of these guys, <laughs> overall, like the average yeah, yeah. that they came out to was was fair. Yeah. <laughs> if you think there are eight receivers better than Devontae Adams, <laughs> I don't know what we're watching. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they just, I don't know. Whatever. whatever. All right, we'll get to the honorable mentions here. Um, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. A lot of young guys on that list. Um, Mike Evans still being honorable mention. I don't get it. Like, I, I, I know that he's like been like longevity, you know, he's kind of like the Frank Gore of, of receivers where like every year, you <laughs> know, you're gonna hit. Mm-hmm. but like, I look at this list, man. And like DJ Moore behind Mike Evans, like I have an issue with, you know, Amari Cooper behind Mike Evans, I have an issue with. So that one really was like, okay, I don't really know what we're doing with Mike Evans here, but, um, Debo T Higgins, Garrett Wilson, Waddle, Devontae Smith. It's nice to see this young group yeah. of receivers getting some flowers. Yeah. Mike Evans, what is he at? 10,000 yards or whatever he's at. However yeah. many years he's played, plus like 1,100 yards a year. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of really good names in here. A lot of, you know, rising names, I guess. This is the only time I had to adjust the font for receiving votes because they had just had they had so, many so many different yeah. guys. Um, so it's, it's a heck of a list for sure. A heck of a lot of really good guys. I'm really curious to see where Calvin really ends up. Um, he actually even getting a vote. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, yeah, because he obviously <laughs> missed some time. But I guess someone wants to look smart in the long run. Um, but yeah, a lot of really good young talent here. So for the 2022 class, it's just Wilson and Olave, right? Pretty sure. Uh, is Amon Ra from that class? No, he was. No, he's Florida. Palmer's class. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, very famously on Hard Knocks <laughs> talk about that. I remember now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Tyler, what do you make of uh Keenan and Mike getting receiving votes here? I was honestly I was surprised that both of them got on here. Um, just the way that the injuries and how public it was, I was I, I didn't think that both of them would get on this list. Yeah, I'm curious what the 
the cutoff is for receiving votes or is it just if you get a vote at all you'd make it because all the other position groups have been a consistent like five guys six guys um so if they extended it to a bit more uh for a longer cutoff and maybe that's why keenan or definitely mike williams who's second to last year made the list but um it's fine these guys need to for lack of a better phrase like earn their paycheck and get out there and be healthy which isn't on them obviously that just shit happens um but we need to really see these two guys uh do something this year mm-hmm. because they they can't do this again next this season and expect to be on the team the following year yeah definitely you know this is definitely a uh, year of transition for both of those players um the article that Daniel Popper published today is fantastic. It's about Chris Beatty, the wide receiver coach. Mm. Um, this team really believes in Mike Williams, man. Like I, I, I think he's, you know, people are kind of underestimating the kind of role that he's going to have again this year. Um, if he stays healthy, that's always the biggest thing with him. But um, you know, there was, I forget who it was, but um, which, which video was I watching? There was somebody who was saying that Mike Williams, they think Mike Williams is better than Keenan Allen. I think, we talked about this in the Discord. Do you remember? No. This is a video? Yeah. Somebody like shared a video of like wide receiver rankings, or it might have been like a, an athletic series or something like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember. I'll have to go back and look. Um, but yeah, I think if these guys stay healthy, I think they can move up the list a little bit. Um, top 10 is probably a bit much at this point. Like there's so many elite young players that I think it'd be tough for them to get into the top 10, but I think we could see at least one of them work their way over to the left and uh, maybe move up a few spots there. Yeah. I think there was, Oh, 20... it was Brett Coleman. Thank you. ET 44. Oh. It was Brett Coleman in their chargers review. He was saying that he thinks Mike is better than better receiver than Keenan going forward. It's uh, to me, and maybe you agree or disagree. It feels like, I think Keenan Allen is better for this Chargers team and for Justin Herbert. I think the chemistry they have is irreplaceable. But I think if you were going to ask me who I would start an offense around, it would probably be Mike Williams. Yeah, there's some age built into that too. But yeah, I, I guess I would see. So did he, did he say Mike Williams was the better receiver? Yeah. Or like should be the better receiver for this Chargers offense moving forward or kind of both? I think just kind of both. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I think you can obviously make an argument that Mike Williams is more talented. Yeah, um, at this point, yeah. At this point, and maybe maybe his thinking is that Mike is more explosive and therefore more valuable. But yeah, I mean, Ke- like Keenan's still going to be number one for Herbert. Like Keenan's still going to lead this team in targets and catches and third down conversions and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess maybe you're kind of discussing like explosive value versus you know, intermediate value kind of thing here. But both of these guys honestly end up pretty similar ranges in terms of yards. And, and you know, I assume both of them are around 1,200 yards-ish. It's kind of what they've been for the past couple of seasons in terms of, like, pace of play and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Mike ends up with, like, nine touchdowns and Keenan gets his usual six. But, like, I think Keenan's going to easily clear 100, 100 receptions again this year. And Mike probably yeah. gets, like, 75, 80. So, yeah. Just kind of depends, I guess, what your preference is there. There's also the, the potential that just, I mean, you drafted a receiver in the first round. So I think there's the kind of, yeah. an, in a good way for the offense, it'll boost the offense. But in terms of rankings and the individual stats for total stats, there's kind of an anchor and a, and a weight attached to both these guys. 
what they can accomplish with their ceiling just because there's another guy who should take a lot of receptions. Yeah, and uh, Josh Palmer is still going to be very much involved. Gerald Everett will be involved. Austin Eckler will be involved. There are certainly a lot of mouths to feed on the Chargers. Yep. All right. It was a longer show than I think we planned, but, you know, I think it's a necessary, <laughs> necessary conversation about the running backs, and I think uh, some some good conversation about where the Chargers offensive players end up. So um, if you guys are watching this, let us know what you think about where the Chargers players ended up in the rankings. Um, I, I'm curious if the, anybody has any maybe like potential solutions to the running back situation. You know, I've, I've seen some interesting dialogue out there on social media so far about how the NFL and the players could maybe kind of rectify this problem. Uh, so if any of you feel like tackling that kind of issue, uh, shoot us a couple comments and we'll, uh, have some dialogue maybe. So Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out for the evening? No, I'm actually excited to leave because that means I won't have to talk about the stuff behind us. We get to talk about the real football ahead of us. Yes. And that's exciting. Yes. Very exciting. As I mentioned before, we're going to have our pre training camp roster prediction on Saturday. And then next week, it's it's all about training camp, man. I, I can't wait to get down to Costa Mesa next weekend and uh, see all of you guys. Definitely feel free to uh, come up and say hello to us. And uh, stay tuned for Saturday's show and our bonus episode that will be dropping next week as well. That's going to do it for us tonight. We'll see you guys later. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.